Pharmacy Podcast Nation. You got to listen in every Tuesday to stay up to date on the most recent medication therapy topics. Game Changers creates awareness about pharmacotherapy and clinical practice changes that can significantly impact pharmacy practice. Every Tuesday, a new episode of Game Changers is published on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening. And always remember, the pharmacist is the hub of healthcare. Another edition of Game Changers Clinical Conversations. I am your host, Jeff Wall, and uh, welcome to a, another podcast where uh, we try and give you guys the latest information that uh, helps boots on the ground, uh, pharmacists and other clinicians uh, make better decisions when it comes to, to pharmacotherapy in particular. Um, so those of you who are probably get, getting tired of hearing my voice week after week after week will be happy to know that, that I have a, a very talented guest star this this week, uh, Jay Galdo, who is actually uh, a, a, a staff member at CE Impact, but is also uh, a, a pharmacist with extensive experience in community pharmacy and ambulatory care pharmacy. So uh, he is uh, uh, very graciously volunteered to talk about a study that, again, we're, we've been trying our best to, 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 to not beat everybody over the head with 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 the COVID stuff every single week. This is completely different, which I'm really glad to see, and I'm going to be totally leaning him on, on it for this. So talking about a, a paper that looked at uh, basically uh, a, a study that looked at Medicare recipients and how much they are basically, you know, seen or, or have encounters with community pharmacists compared to their own primary care docs. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. Before we get into that, again, thank you for listening. Um, if you do like us, please go to wherever you listen to your podcast and, and like us on that. Uh, spread the word. Um, uh, about us and, and tell your friends and, and everybody who, who's a healthcare professional that, that you hope this is a way to learn stuff in a real quick manner. And then for pharmacists in particular, please, please go to CE Impact, who uh, sponsors this podcast. Get on there and, and sign up for the CE. Uh, it, it's very affordable, and I cannot think of an easier way to get your CE for the year than literally listening to me blather on for half an hour on the way to work, come into work, log in, fill out the, the CE paperwork, and you are done. So it's, it's pretty simple, hopefully pretty informative and pretty easy to do. So again, yeah, please go to CE Impact and, 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 and check them out. So anyway, so with that said, uh, I'd like to welcome uh, Dr. Jake Aldo. So thank you for being on Game Changers. Thanks, Jeff. I'm really happy to be here and I'm really excited to uh, talk about community pharmacy yeah, and me too. how people see us more than anybody else. Yes, I agree. So, so uh, I'll give a little background on the paper and then, and then just kind of ask some questions. And again, you know, Jake has some, some extensive experience in this, so it's, it's good to get his expertise on this. So this was a, a paper published in JAMA. So as, as uh, we've talked about the Jake and I talked about kind of offline, it is nice. This was in a big five internal medicine journal or, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a pharmacy journal that's kind of patting ourselves on the back, which is nice. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's always good to see, but we need people outside the world of pharmacy to see what we do and, and it's, it's going to be papers that are in these high-impact journals that are really going to do that. So this was a cross-sectional study uh, of, of Medicare D, uh, Part D recipients in 2016, and uh, they, they, they basically did a 5% uh, uh, poll of, of Medicare Part D patients, and they just basically wanted to take a look at, at the number of encounters they had with their primary care doc, and they 
had a pretty loose definition of that, so it wasn't just internists or family medicine docs. I mean, it, you know, they you know they had a, a pretty a pretty loose definition of what they would consider to be a primary care encounter versus uh, uh, the number of encounters that they had in in their pharmacy, and then they they used pharmacy claims data to make that. And really, pharmacy claims within a 14-day surrounding period they counted as 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 a positive. They looked at a wide uh, patients with Medicare Part D with a wide variety of disease states, and and uh, you know I think I think very representative of what you'd see in, in a Part D population. So everything from you know uh, coronary disease to atrial fib to asthma to COPD, you know heart failure, hypertension, OAR. I mean you could go on and on and on. Um, but but they they wanted to take a look at patients who had multiple disease states, and I and, and I think and I think did a pretty good job on that. And uh, uh, when they compared them, basically found that that not all that surprising, I think, to most of the pharmacists listening to this podcast, guess what? Patients tend to see pharmacists more than they tend to see uh, primary care docs, and they actually found a 13 to 7 ratio uh, for uh, uh, Medicare Part D patients in seeing their pharmacy uh, pharmacists compared to their primary care provider, and this was actually more prevalent, again, I, probably not that big of a surprise in rural areas, and uh, a lot of you who are listening to me are, are, are Midwest pharmacists, so you, you may even may, well be practicing in those areas. And know that you know you are the person that that these patients see to ask questions to deal with some of the issues they're dealing with because you know you're 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 right there in in the at the point of the spear as some of my my physicians like to say so uh, so Jake for you know for you you know you you you've you're a community pharmacist ambulatory care pharmacist you know tell me how you think the the ratio may have changed over time especially because the phenomenon of med sync has certainly increased since 2016 um, certainly my friends who work in community pharmacy I know that's become much more common in, 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 in those areas. Do you think this ratio is still 13-7, or how do you think that's changed? You know, Jeff, I love that you started with that, because I could almost say that I was surprised by the 13-7 to 7 ratio. For okay. years, we've been quoting our friend uh, uh, Joe Moose over there in North Carolina, who says it's like 30 to 40 times that a patient will visit a pharmacy a year. And so that's the one that I've been sticking with. So all of a sudden, I see 13-7, to 7, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, Joe, we're not quite at that 30 to 40 that you've been saying. And then it makes me think about it. And to your point, this was data from over four years ago. And when we think about the practice of pharmacy, especially community pharmacy over time, we've really emphasized and highlighted the benefit of medication synchronization, not just to patient accessibility to pharmacy, but also patient adherence to care and really the, the connecting them in a touch point. And so I think when we look at this older data, when it's 13 to one, that's about one time a month, if you're right. 13 to seven, excuse me. So it's about like one time a month. That fits with this MedSync data. That makes sense, right? Because, yeah, because, I mean, that's the whole point of medicine synchronization is that instead of, you know, coming into the pharmacy 57 times, they come in once, you can help assess all their meds at one time, you can help assess their adherence, they're more likely to pick up all their meds at one shot. So, yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. Do you think transportation issues and stuff like that plays into pharmacy access? I think that's a huge barrier to just healthcare in general. When we think about the, the social determinants of health, the things that affect our health that are outside our healthcare, like transportation, housing, food, loneliness, uh, getting to a pharmacy is hard. What I think is kind of interesting about this kind of model and this study is they determined that patient encounter simply by claims data. The drug was dispensed, not right. point of sale. And so the point of sale could have been in the pharmacy or the delivery driver. And so when we think about the pharmacy access, I mean, the pharmacy is getting drugs to the patient either in the store 
or at the patient's house. And oftentimes when um, pharmacies will deliver drugs to or medications to patients, they're going to do kind of a spot check. We, we are now like certifying our community pharmacy delivery drivers as community health workers hmm. and their extenders of our care getting into the patient's homes and starting to audit the house. Is this a fall risk? Are they having enough food? Are there any other risks in the household that then can get back to the healthcare system by communicating through the delivery driver to the pharmacy, to the medical team? Wow, that's great, and I'm—I mean, I'm—I I just kind of thinking intuitively with 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 COVID hitting. I'm sure all that's going to be ever more important as as the economy has crashed and we and we've dealt with all these other issues. So, I mean, I I, I think again, certainly from my perspective, working in the hospital, we often do struggle to to deal with some of these kind of you know somewhat uh, some kind of semi nebulous you know you know social determinants of of adherence or 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 adherence to to their medical plan. You know, it's hard to pay for your prescriptions. We all get that but i mean if i can't take a bus or or walk to the to the nearest pharmacy or walk to the to, to my doctor's office you know we'll see that all the time i you know in my world you know we have patients who have for example are on dialysis and there are times they can't make dialysis not because they don't want to go to dialysis they literally cannot get to the dialysis center you know and and that's obviously just huge so that's that's very interesting um you you uh, when we were talking offline you were pointing out that that and as you said here this is really just based on on far on prescriptions dispense so you know we we know we know and I think community pharmacists know better than anyone else that, that sometimes you know uh, especially older patients just come in to talk to the pharmacist right I, I'm sorry to say that in our society that 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 might be the person they talk to the most in a single day um, you know what do you think about that and and like OTC dispensing stuff like that so I think that's a that's a huge attribute of the value of the community pharmacy that is. Uh, kind of lost in the healthcare space. What you're talking about with the, the sweet little old grandma coming to the pharmacy to talk to someone is because, again, that social determinants of health focus on loneliness. And I don't know if you've ever seen the data on it, but uh, there's some reports that loneliness is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day for your health outcomes. Wow. Which is just absurd to me. Yeah. Like yeah. Just because you're not able to talk to somebody, to connect with somebody, you're going to have the same outcomes as if you're smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. And so when we think about the value of the pharmacy, the value of the pharmacy technicians, the face of the pharmacy, you have Mrs. Smith that comes in and is going to talk to you know, our pharmacy technician. They're going to ask how the grandkids are doing, what's happening with this, how are you coping with COVID? When right. we think about the social isolationism that's actually now occurring, not just is it People are lonely, but they're now lonely and isolated, and community pharmacies are an essential business. We're one of the few places that are open, and people are coming in just to say hi. Right. I, uh, I work in a neighborhood pharmacy, and I am there every other Saturday, and literally people have been coming in during this, uh, in, down in Alabama, we call it Safer at Home, during our Safer at Home time. They're coming in to just say hi to us because they walk the neighborhood, and they come in, grab a bottle of water, say hi heck, get some candy, and then walk on back home. And it's just right. their ability to get out of the house and see someone. Right. Yeah. And yeah, one, one can only imagine, you know, that was, I suspect that was terrible even before COVID hit. And we've always known that in, in elder social isolation is, is, is a, is a huge negative uh, uh, health signal. And I'm sure that has been magnified multiple times on the plus side, uh, you know, of all that. I mean, the, the friends I have who are, who are working in guinea pharmacy, that that's, those are the kind of encounters they tend to treasure, right? You know, the, you know, it's, it's not the 57 prescriptions they filled or the 30 or the 37 flu shots they've given, 
it's that it's that single connection and they may not even make a sale with it but it's 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 knowing that you know yeah you have caught up on how mrs smith is doing or you know they asked a question about that so that's that's very interesting as well as well um you know the other piece of course of all this and 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 i've i think uh, ce impact and i have we really really tried to avoid politics and all this thing but you know i think that's you know with with the mail order issue and and all the issues going with usps and again i'm i'm, I'm not going to, to to get into any of the issues with the post office you know it i think that 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 people are going to probably start turning away from mail order because when you can't get your medications in a timely manner it's going to make it's going to make things really really difficult and again i think most community pharmacists uh, all have stories of how they've had to had to be the backstop you know when a mail order uh, prescription didn't make it in time or you know the the was the wrong pills or the pills opened up in the bag and we're all over the place i mean i i'm sure every community pharmacist who's who's listening can can has has their own raft of stories how they've kind of backstopped the health of, of mail order patients and of course we don't get anything for that right the community pharmacist gets a thank you and and, and a pat on the head if they're lucky and that's a, that's about it so um what so this was medicare part d these are elders i would i would say probably particularly vulnerable population right what about other uh, uh you know other uh, uh, segments of the healthcare population so medicaid which i would suspect is probably even worse <laughs> and, and 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 community what, what what how do you think this ties in or tr holds true of that stuff you know, it's, it's really interesting because when we look at kind of the healthcare landscape and we think about innovative services and what's driving practice for community pharmacy, we are often focused on the Part D star ratings. So the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, you know, quality rating for the payer. And that, uh, like any good quality system, it trickles down. And so it trickles down to the provider being the community pharmacist. And so we want to innovate practice like MedSync to align and support our partners in healthcare. And, and what's interesting about that is when we look at data from IQVIA, uh, Part D prescriptions only represent about 26% of all outpatient prescriptions. The wow. largest segment of prescriptions is actually commercial payers, and that's about 52%. So the majority of the care that we provide is for commercial payers, but we're driving services to Part D. And so when we think about how does this play into, you know, patients visiting a pharmacy, you know, it's almost, you can argue both sides. Like I want to talk out of both sides of my mouth, which is terrible, <laughs> but Part D patients, historically, because they're geriatric, maybe on a higher number of medications, so they take advantage of the med sync. Right. Whereas commercial payers uh, might be more apt to do a 90-day fill because that's something encouraged on the commercial side of right. their line of business. Uh, so then at that point, you're saying, ah, the commercial individual, the, the beneficiary that's on the commercial side of insurance, is only gonna come to the pharmacy four times uh, a year. But at the same time, that individual is the one with uh, school-age kids getting antibiotics, stopping by the local pharmacy to get any support. Um, I've had patients come in on Saturdays. They come in and they say, my child's constipated. What do I do? That's, right. a, that's a visit to a healthcare provider that's not really caught in claims data. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, again, you know, not, not, not to be mercenary and all, but, you know, I mean, I think everyone listening to this podcast is well aware of, of the pretty tenuous state of especially independent pharmacy. And, you know, it, it's not that, it's not that we don't want, you know, that we want to get paid for just opening our mouths every time, but, you know, you're right. That's a healthcare encounter that had that person gone to the emergency room 
for an urgent care, the cost to them and the cost to the to, to the healthcare system would have been enormous. Whereas we, you know, talk them through it, ask important questions, and give them, you know, a good plan to have how to go forward. And you know, as always, pharmacists, you know, we 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 do it out of the kindness of our hearts. And unfortunately, I, I think that that especially independent pharmacies starting to realize that 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 don't feed the bulldog, unfortunately. So that's that that's kind of an issue. So, any other things in the paper that kind of surprised you as far as as far as the you know the 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 baseline characteristics or you know state by state stuff? What what did you think? Yeah, so I was actually really surprised by just the the racial demographics. Uh, when we look at the study and the breakdown, it was still majority of white individuals, and that just kind of jumped out to me mm-hmm. because. Our nation is very diverse. We are a a population of individuals, right? And when we look at the paper, we had 82% white, 9% black, 2% Hispanic, 5% other. And I just, I question that because I recognize that this was a 5% sample size out of CMS data. And then I'm just like, how, how does this sample size not really reflect the U.S.? Right. No, I agree. And, 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 and so, yeah, no, I, you know, I, it could have just been a play of chance. I, I mean, I would assume part D, uh, you know, uh, um, recipients have pretty much the same demographic characteristics as, 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 uh, you know, the rest of the rest of the United States, but you're right. That, that, that's an interesting issue about, you know, why, why would that not seem to be similar to the, to the ethnic breakdown of just, you know, the general United States. So how about States? Did, did any, any state subgroup stuff kind of interest you? Well, the state subgroup is actually really fascinating because they did a, a subgroup analysis and they looked at every single state, not just at a national level of that 13 to 7, but they also started to do within each state and saying, is it different at a state-by-state level? And in all 50 states, the number of community pharmacy visits was larger than the number of encounters with primary care physicians right. across the board. Uh, the one that they called out as, as some of the states with the largest, and I'll, I'll do this for you over there, was mm-hmm. Iowa. And I liked that, and it was exciting, and it started to make me think about, is this because Iowa is advancing the role of the community pharmacist? So I'm down here in Alabama, and my primary role is to lick it and stick it, go from the big bottle to the little bottle, and get the drug to the patient. It is product-based care. When I look about what you're doing in Iowa, you have more cognitive-based care. And not just that, you're empowering the role of the pharmacy technician to have a play as well. So you have the technician that's focused on the product, and you have the pharmacist focused on the cognition. And so when we think about how COVID has really hammered our primary care offices, really hammered health systems because of elective surgeries and having to delay them. And we're seeing furloughs and closing doors, but the pharmacies are staying open. To me, this screams a giant opportunity for pharmacists to say, patients come to us in pandemics and not, we're here to help. Let us be part of the care conversation. Right, I agree, and and thanks for the shout out to Iowa. I mean, I always tell my students that that uh, you know, I mean, I've I've always been proud to to to, to practice in Iowa just because you're right. I mean, uh, because of the tremendous work of the Iowa Pharmacy Association and our Board of Pharmacy. You know, we we've been pretty forward thinking. I think the fact that we like probably in Alabama too. There's a, there's a lot of rural areas that, as as we've said, you know, sometimes the community pharmacist is literally you know the only healthcare professional in a 50 mile radius, and 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 d- does a lot more than I think the average you know. Uh, 
a customer, you know, outside who lives in New York City, for example, might think, you know, they they they, they provide a wide range of skills and and a wide range of a wide range of uh, of services. So, I mean, I agree with you that that you know, I mean, you probably saw yesterday that HHS, um, you know, basically said that you know they've given basically the authorization of pharmacists to basically do all uh, um, immunizations during the pandemic. And I think you're right. I think I think pharmacists. This is you know we've 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 clamored ever since I was a student many 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 years ago. You know you know you let us help. We can do this. You know we we can we can promote things. And I think there's there's an opportunity here to 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 you know be because of of you know being necessity being the mother of invention, showing people you know as you said we're the ones who are open. We're the ones who you know my community pharmacy colleagues are the ones on the front lines who are you know and sometimes risking their health to, to do this, but they're also you know they're they're there to 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 basically you know be that backstop and 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 do some of these things and so it'll be very interesting to see you know if uh, uh, payers and 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 the government feel the same way um, and I'm sure somebody somewhere is is taking a look at this information and and and, and hopefully doing research not just to publish in a, in a paper because that's always nice to get get your name in a paper and show what pharmacists can do but we've been doing that for a long long time I, I you know you could pull papers for the last 30 years that show that pharmacists improve outcomes in a wide variety of, of areas payers haven't really picked up on that unfortunately and and so i hopefully this is this will be one of the few silver linings to this dark cloud of, of 2020 that we're living on so well i want to uh, we're kind of out of time so i i do, I do want to thank dr galdo uh for an excellent review of this paper and and uh you know a, a really good review on some of some of the things that are happening in community pharmacy and need to continue to happen not just to mean maintain community pharmacy as a, as a viable business practice but to help our patients and, and, and to improve outcomes in our patients in, in an area where, you know, uh, health, the healthcare dollar is becoming ever more uh, hard, hard to come by. So uh, thank you, Dr. Galdo, for, for, for taking your time and, and, and being on this episode. Well, thank you very much for, uh, for having me, and I, I hope to, to listen in to future episodes and, and join you again. And I'm sure Dr. Galdo will be joining me again, especially for, for areas in ambulatory care and stuff like that, partially because, again, he's an expert in this field, partially because I know people get tired of listening to me yammer on. So it's, it's kind of it's kind of a, a win-win for everybody. So uh, uh, so just some bottom line things before we do that, a, a quick uh, word from CE Impact and talking about some of the great programs they have. Game Changers discusses clinical guidelines and pharmacotherapy trends that significantly impact practice. Game Changers is produced and accredited by CE Impact and hosted by Dr. Jeff Wall. New episodes are released each week and available for pharmacy continuing education credit to CE Impact subscribers. CE Impact subscription service brings you the CE you need on the topics that matter the most. Check out the link to sign up in the show notes. Use code PODCAST for a Pharmacy Podcast Network discount. So again, a nice paper that shows I think what a lot of pharmacists, especially in the community, intuitively know that that uh, you know we are the point of first contact for a lot of patients, especially elders. And Dr. Gallo did a terrific job, you know, going over the paper, talking about some of the bonuses and and, and benefits that we, that we can provide, and taking a look at the paper itself and, and and talking about about you know is this applicable among different types of patients? Is it applicable among different um, uh, states? And uh, what what it can really show us and point the way I think for for 
more research in this area. And while you know um, uh, there's there's a lot of good community and ambulatory care research going on, it does need to happen. I think in in some of these more bigger journals um, that are outside kind of the the pharmacy scope of Jaffa or ASHP or something like that. I think I think we really need to do that. So anyway, thanks again for joining us. Again, please like us uh, wherever you where you listen to your podcast. Please spread the word. Please go to CE Impact and think about uh, taking advantage of some of their excellent CE programs. And we'll catch you next week. And remember, uh, time flies. I don't know where it's going, but the most important day is the day. Take care.